From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. This week has been incredible. I have loved every moment. We have just finished up the 2023 Church Mental Health Summit, and I'm excited to tell you all about it in today's Hidden Gems of the Summit episode. This year's summit has featured some incredible speakers that caught the attention of a lot of people. Speakers like Dr. Anita Phillips, John Townsend, Kay Warren, Katie Cole, Daniel Strickland, Jimmy Dobbs, Joe Padilla, Tony Collier, uh, Kobe Campbell, Dr. Carl Benzino, Dr. Greg Jantz. Uh, there's so many, and I'm honored, so honored to have them and host them at the summit. And I saw that this week, thousands of people watched their sessions, and rightfully so. They were incredible takeaways, and there was powerful messages in these talks. But in this podcast episode, I want to share with you clips from five different speakers that I would consider, I would call it more like hidden gems. While I was previewing all the talks, of course, loved all of these well-named speakers, but I would say these talks were from people that you might be new. They are phenomenal. They are active. They are thought leaders, but they may not be the first go-tos because you might not recognize their name as much. But let me tell you, these people left an impression on me. And I share about them because while the October 10th event or the free access has passed, there are hundreds of people who have purchased the all access pass. And there are some of you who are still considering if you're going to purchase an all access pass. And I want to make sure that you go beyond the dozen or so well-known speakers that I have mentioned and dig deep into, gosh, there's got to be 60 other talks that are absolutely amazing. Believe me, you're not going to regret it. For those who were not able to join in the free access on World Mental Health Day, October 10th, and they think they missed out, they're going to have to wait a whole nother year. Well, not is not true. I am here to say that you can still access all of the talks, but you do need to purchase an all access pass. And so I want to share some of these hidden gems so that number one, you can be encouraged uh, by the, the wisdom that they share here. And number two, you can hear for yourself how good these sessions are and you will go back and watch the rest. Then I want to share with you what God is doing all around the world in the space of mental health in the church, and then what you can do to get involved. Because what is happening is more than just an event or an individual churches trying to manage the, the overwhelming demand for their people. What is happening is this groundswell. It's becoming a movement. People are coming together. They're connecting online. They're connecting in person. They're building partnerships. People are finding common ground around mental health. And it's so exciting. I am truly honored to be a part of it. And it is the coolest thing because I think we are just at the beginning stages of this work in faith and mental health. It's been amazing what has been done, but there is so much more to do. 
For example, next month, I want to enjoin you, want to invite you to join us live on Zoom. This will be about a 90-minute session or live session for us to connect with one another who are in the mental health and care ministry space. There's going to be a short training, opportunities for practical application, and then we will connect and meet with other ministry leaders who are doing the same work as you. If you want to join in on this live call, make sure you click the link in the show notes or go to Hope Made Strong org slash care ministry. And if you are listening this much, much later on, please go to that link and check because we are going to have monthly workshops or regular workshops throughout the year. So you're going to want to check those out and register. But for today's episode, I'm so excited to share some of these hidden gems from the 2023 Church Mental Health Summit. Now, due to time, I'm only able to share about a handful of these talks. Uh, it, it was so hard to pick because there's over 65 talks to choose from and they were all so good. So please, if these five you know, top picks that I have chosen are not the topics that you are interested in, there is a huge variety. Uh, so definitely want to check those out. Now, the sessions are, all the talks and sessions organized into four categories. Those are community, uh, culture and missions, sorry. The first one is culture and missions, where we explore cultural influences on mental health and strengthen those who are in global missions. The second track is community health, where we address issues faced throughout the church and community. The third track is church health, and this is the area is focused on equipping the church to care for their congregants and to break down stigma. And then the fourth track is all about leadership health and where the strategies are offered to help leaders thrive and prevent ministry burnout. So because there's already four categories, I thought I would pick one talk from each track that I think provides a really good um, session and then one bonus one that provides really great overarching big picture um, concepts. So the first track, uh, culture and missions, there were so many great sessions. Marty Harris speaking on wellness and mental health in Latina church, or even Kevin Ham's talk on strengthening resilience for international workers. These were fantastic. There's like about 15 in this track. So it was hard to choose, but I picked this time the track, uh, the session that's called I Will Heal With You by Dr. David Anderson. Now, Dr. Anderson is the author of Gracism and his talk in the summit uh, walks us through four simple practical ways that we are able to extend gracism to those who struggle with mental health. And if you are like myself and you're like, what is gracism? Fantastic question. But I think I'm going to let uh, Dr. Anderson answer that for himself. You see, gracism is the positive extension of favor to other people because of or in spite of their color, class, or culture. It is extending that favor that is necessary when somebody is in need. While racism is a bad word that extends negativity toward people based on color, class, or culture, and while grace is extending favor uh, to people, whether they deserve it or whether they can earn it or whether they can repay it or not, gracism is the combination of those words, which means to extend positive favor to people in spite of, maybe even because of, their color, class, or culture. This concept is built out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in that passage, there are eight sayings of a gracist based on verses 12 through 26. And let me tell you those 
seven sayings before the eighth one that I'll double click on. The first one is, I will lift you up. The second one is, I will cover you. The third one, I will share with you. The fourth one, I will honor you. The fifth one, I will stand with you. The sixth one, I will consider you. The seventh one, I will celebrate with you. And then the last one, the eighth one, I will heal with you. This is all found in the book, Gracism, The Art of Inclusion. And with uh, my co-author, David Heiliger, the director of Gracism Global, we took the original book, Gracism from 2007, and we updated it, we expanded it, and we added the eighth saying, which is built off of 1 Corinthians 12, 26, which says not only are we supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice, that's the I will celebrate with you saying, but also grieve with those who grieve or suffer with those who suffer. That is the I will heal with you saying. And this saying really has to do with one word, empathy. If I can feel with you, then I can heal with you. And what this saying does is it reminds us that we may not go through what other people are going through, but if we can at least empathize with them, we can help heal with them. We can't heal them, but we can heal with them. While we're not the cure givers, we can be the care givers. And that's what so many of you are. You have given care, you have walked with people, talked with people, prayed with people. And I thank God for you. You are the advocates that God has brought alongside of people when they have needed that comfort, when they have needed that wonderful counselor. We know that the Lord Jesus can be that wonderful counselor, but he can also use people to bring that comfort along the way. And many people in our families, in our churches, and in society suffer with mental illness and cognitive episodes. And as servants of God, we're called to be with people. In fact, to heal with people. And this command was not just for professionals who are in the uh, mental health field. This whole session is so good. The talk continues and Dr. Anderson shows us how to walk empathetically when people from different backgrounds and experiences find themselves in great pain. And I think this is so wonderful because it considers uh, and values different cultures and different experiences, but offers strategies on how to connect to the common human experiences that we all have and extend grace. Love this. Now, the second track is the community health track, and it was probably the most difficult for me to pick from because there were so many talks. There's like 20 to 25 talks in this session, uh, and but I and there were some heavy hitters, so it was hard to find this hidden gem. They all stood out, but the track or the session that I chose was by Deborah Filetta. If you haven't heard Deborah speak, you are missing out. You're going to want, like, she is so good. She's a master at breaking down complex uh concepts into simple steps that everyone can understand and take action on. And just a few weeks ago, I was at a workshop with her uh, and she was speaking on the topic of sex and relationships and she did a masterful job. And she does the same in the summit. Her talk is called 
are you really okay? Addressing mental and emotional health in the church. So often we make the assumption that those who are attending our churches weekly or serving, or maybe they're even on the stage leading or even preaching, we make the assumption that they're doing well. We believe their answer when they ask, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm fine. Well, the truth is that our spirit was redeemed when we were saved. Uh, we are new creations in Christ, but our, but our physical health, our mental and emotional health still needs some work. And so it's not, we're not always fine or okay. Sometimes we are struggling. And in her session, Deborah outlines a broad perspective of what mental health is. Now, let me share it here. If I could summarize what I mean by mental health, I would say it's a combination of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors working together in sync and moving us towards joy and peace and away from anxiety and depression. One thing you need to understand that we counselors know is that thoughts lead to feelings which lead to behaviors. They impact one another. And so when we're talking about our mental health, we want to begin with our thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you know that your thoughts are so automatic that they're happening in the background in a split second without us really paying attention to them? They can be so familiar that we don't even recognize them. And our brain loves the path of least resistance. Have you ever been driving to church and all of a sudden you're not paying attention and you find yourself driving to work the route that you take every single day? That's how our brains work. They want to take the easiest thoughts, the most familiar thoughts, the ones that take the least amount of effort. And usually that's the negative ones, the hurts, the insecurities, the trauma, the wounds from our past are the things that tend to take over our thinking. Many times our thoughts are formed by the lens with which we see life through. It's like putting on a pair of glasses that you put on to see the world. But sometimes that lens is tainted by hurt or pain or trauma. Sometimes the lens is inaccurate and needs to be adjusted. In counseling, we call these harmful lenses cognitive distortions. Cognitive distortions are things that disrupt our thinking, unhealthy ways of thinking that impact our mental health. Gosh, she's so good. I love Deborah. She goes on to share in her talk, in her session, uh, to share several different cognitive distortions that are felt by everyone, that are felt by all people, and walks through what scripture says about emotional and mental health. And what I love about Deborah's talk is that she takes the stigma away from mental health to being something that, you know, those are for these other people or I'm fine, but brings it to a level that we can all feel safe saying, that they relate to. Okay. Yeah. You know what? That is something I'm struggling with. I didn't realize that was my emotional and mental health. This talk is wonderful. And let me tell you that it would be perfect to share at your church as a webinar webinar or a community training because it is so 
amazing. This session alone, let me tell you, is worth the cost of an all-access pass. Because if it was me, I would invite the whole community to come to an in-person webinar on mental health. Have a team of skilled peer supporters and a few community clinicians on hand for additional support, but show this video and have a Q&A session by, and, and even maybe even stop periodically for table or small group discussions. This session is perfect. Deborah, her talk is amazing. And I wanted to make sure that people knew about it and knew that this is a resource that you can really be creative with. Now, the third track of the summit is on church health, which is focused on equipping to care for the congregants and break down stigma. Oh my goodness. There's so much work to be done in the area of developing safe spaces and cultures of care. It's hard for me to pick just one gem because I think in this area, there are a lot, a variety of different talks. Uh, There's some super practical talks about things like documentation or keeping and keeping track of care needs or maybe different styles of groups or building mental health ministries or even training your teams and then like children's ministry and youth ministry. But if you've been listening to me for a while, I am sure you've heard me go on and on and on about the importance and value of your church offering belonging, purpose, and hope to its community. And so when I heard David Kim's talk on the five practices to cultivate a safe and deep community, I was so excited to watch it. And I wanted to make sure that I highlighted it here because I am sure that you know our culture is shifting. People are getting tired, or maybe it's just my community, but I think this is all around. People are getting tired of just attending church or being a spectator at church. People are craving community, authentic connection. In fact, I think I'm going to just let David share about the importance of building community. We all live in an age of loneliness and isolation, and we're looking for something more. We're looking for something deeper, and we are tired of shallow conversations and relationships. Uh, You and I have been part of uh, small groups, life groups, or community groups, whatever you want to call them, where we're just regurgitating just sermon questions. And while that is certainly important, a part of our discipleship to Jesus, we know that it is really about how that sermon material is is impacting and affecting our own lives. And so there's an opportunity for us to go deeper. And when we just regurgitate content, we are left with wanting something more. And that's uniquely the way God designed us. God um, uh, made us in community for community. God, the triune God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, made us in community for community. And so we have this deep longing and desire to be connected where we are known, seen, and loved, and cared for. And that's in all of us. And uh, sadly, uh, we've been part of communities where we've uh, done our best, uh, but we were met with um, just a lot of disappointment and pain, and even abuse. And so, and I understand that. And so there's an invitation for all of us to just say, hey, how can we just participate in one more step towards this deep community through the five practices that I will share? After this, David goes on to share these five practices, and these are priority, chemistry, vulnerability, empathy, and accountability. Priority, chemistry, 
vulnerability, empathy, and accountability, and why they need to be offered in that order. Now, I won't spoil all the details. You're going to have to go back and listen for yourself, and you're going to want to because this was amazing. But I do want to highlight one additional point he offers and, and David's prayer at the end of his talk over all participants, because I think it really aligns with the heart of the summit. So here it is. At the end of the day, the place where we find most amount of safety and care is in the the triune love. Got the Father, got the Son, got the Spirit, where we have zero uh, disappointment and um, where God will continue to care for us, pursue us, and where we can depend on Him at all times and He will come through. And from that place, from this deep community, from the triune God, may we find courage to, again, take the next step over and over again in the Christian community that God has placed you in. And so I want to pray for us as you go, because for some of you, uh, you may already be in a community and you're a bit frustrated or you may not have one yet and you're really searching and you are left with lots of confusion and disappointment. I don't know where you are, but God knows. And I want to pray that God will continue to guide you in your journey of belonging and safe community for your well-being and for the glory of Jesus. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that first and foremost, that that you offer such a safe uh, community uh, for us, that in your presence, um, that you will never be uh, disappointed. You will never leave us. You will never abandon us, that you are for us and not against us. And as we continue to draw from this deep sense of love, where we are known, loved and cared for, May we find the strength and the courage. For many of us, we've had bad experiences with community. And so may we find healing and strength to try again. And um, I don't know where you have placed everyone, but you do. And, And may we all have the eyes to look around to see whom you have placed already in our midst. And as we lean into these five practices, May we continue to grow in um, walking in deeper community with one another. And from that place, may we experience even more of your love and care, God. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for gifting us with the gift of your people. And we recognize that sometimes people are difficult because we are difficult, Uh, But may we have the grace to try again and again. And as we lean into these practices, may your hand be upon us. And uh, may we find something much more beautiful and meaningful for our journey of belonging. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love that. So good. After I watched this session, my first thought, or it wasn't even my first, it wasn't even after this session, during this session, I was thinking I would love to get David's book and read it with some leaders at my church. Because I really think these five practices that he shares can transform our churches from places of tradition or habit, and may I be so bold in saying places of entertainment, to places of belonging, purpose, and hope, where there is deep and meaningful relationships and discipleships. 
I love David's talk. I am so grateful that he shared his wisdom with us on the summit. Okay, we have one track left, and that is leadership health. This is the one track that people often skip because it is so much easier to focus on the needs of other people than the needs of ourselves. In fact, caring for others is was has often even been used as a distraction to the hard work of looking inward. And I say that from personal experience. Oh no, I'm so busy helping others that I don't even see the mess in myself or I maybe see the mess, but I get, make myself too busy to work on myself. So I want to share a talk from Dr. Jeannie Clarkson on emotional intelligence. Now, every time I've heard about emotional intelligence, it's from the context of leading um, and, and in business and being knowing how to read the room or knowing what would be an appropriate response to someone sharing or being vulnerable and how to pick up cues as signals of what other people might be feeling and, and to help motivate others. But I want you to hear from, from Ginny because her definition is just a little bit different and I love what she shares. And the truth is, those skills are even aligned with scripture in a lot of cases. And I'll show you that in a minute. Um, the four key skills of emotional intelligence, I'm going to run through those really quickly. You don't have to remember them. But they are, as I define them, uh, relational insight, relational mastery. I'm sorry, personal insight, personal mastery, relational insight and relational mastery. So these skills are all very important and relational in, um, I'm sorry, personal insight is, but you may know better by the term self-awareness, being aware of what's going on with you. Personal mastery is managing ourselves, managing our reactions, not blowing up, uh, managing our communication style, our, our mindset. Relationship insight is um, picking up on others' body language, being able to read the mood in the room, uh, picking up on culture and organizational dynamics. And then relational mastery is being able to use all that information and apply it to how we relate with people. Um, and all of these skills are important for burnout uh, because in relational mastery, then where it's a culmination where it talks about um, how to build trust. Building trust is, is the currency of relationships. Um, if we don't have that, things aren't going to go so well. About being able to prevent and manage conflict effectively. And conflict really can lead to a lot of burnout. And being able to lead change. Uh, in order to lead change, we need to be able to understand people's reactions. Often people are feel very anxious with the idea of change, but change. But when you're able to tune into that and speak to that, it can really help you lead, help you lead them through it. Um, so really, all of the skills are helpful in preventing and reducing burnout. And research shows, my research and the research of others, that higher emotional intelligence or improving these skills results in increased influence, which we all want, and decreased stress, which is what we're talking about today. I love how she transforms the skills that may have been learned to help others and she turns it on their head to see how those same skills can help you as a leader prevent burnout. 
I know when you log in and watch the summit, it can be easier to focus or or prioritize the sessions of helping others. But please make sure you scroll over to the Leadership Health Track and check out all of those talks. There are talks on finishing strong, how to help the pastoral family heal, challenges faced by women in leadership, flourishing in ministry, and building healthy teams. These would be fantastic to show at staff meetings. Take the time to show just one talk a month and, and, and continually have healthy relationships and caring for our teams at the front of our minds. There is easily over a year's worth of talks in just the leadership track alone. Okay, so I have shared a sneak peek from all four of our tracks, but I wanted to make sure you heard about one last session. The Trauma Healing Institute, they are rock stars, and they put together a panel discussion on the topic of how the church can bring healing. Panelists include uh, Rick McGregor. He is founder and executive director of We Mentor 360, and he's the founder and lead pastor of House of the House of Restoration Church in California. Then we have Philip Monroe. He's a he's a psychologist and he is on the Trauma Healing Advisory Council and he is one of the founders at Langberg Monroe and Associates. Steve Meglin, he is the founder and CEO of Executive Advisory Partners and then Rebecca Tangum. Uh, she is the Executive Director of Trauma Healing Institute. Now this panel talk is exceptional. One that I think every person needs to watch as they walk through why the church should engage in conversations and and how are some good first steps in, in those conversations around mental health. So here's the panel addressing some of the barriers as to why Christians don't seek help when they're experiencing trauma and mental health struggles. Phil, what, what have you seen in your practice and but you've been around this space for a long, long time. What are some of the things that you're seeing around a belief system or things that are hindering the ability for the church or as an individual pastor to move forward? Yeah, our practice um, has a lot of Christians and people of faith that come to us. And almost always there's a sense that my faith should be enough to heal yes. my pain. Yes. Yes. Um, and it should take care of the trauma response because, well, the hallmark of trauma is fear and fear we have been taught is a sign that maybe our faith is, faith is weak, you know, yeah. that, that we're not really trusting. And if we just trusted God more, it would go away. And I think that belief is the big one. You've probably seen this directly, right, in your community, this, this belief system that hinders me. And maybe you, we were talking before the session that you've actually experienced that yourself. Without a question, I see it. But the experience personally, uh, walking into a church at 24 years of age, um, riddled with trauma, um, dysfunction on all levels, um, and I dove in, but I'm being told, keep praying keep trusting God, keep fasting, keep reading. And while I'm doing these things and I'm getting closer in my knowledge of God, but not being healed. And so as a result of that, I found myself starting to believe that Christianity maybe isn't for me. And had I not fell in love in that moment, I would have left. And I think that's really typical, right? Because 
you're addressing the wrong problem exactly. in that case, exactly. right? Like, uh, physical wound is obvious, yeah. right? You can see it, you see the damage it's done, you're going to treat it in a physical way, right? You're going to bandage an open wound, yes. you're going to, you know, treat a headache with Tylenol. Yeah. These are, you understand what the problem is, so you treat it with the right diagnosis. The problem with a heart wound, which is a trauma, is that it's, uh, it's hidden. And so we don't always recognize the symptoms of a heart wound. And so we often try to treat trauma in the church with spiritual responses like fasting and praying, which are beautiful for our well-being, but they may not address the root cause. Um, and until we begin to have compassion for people who experience trauma and have those deep heart wounds. And until we begin to, as the church, respond with resources that are attuned to the experience of trauma and how it's not the same as a uh, other kind of spiritual complaint, uh, well, I think we're, people will continue to struggle. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I would imagine it's difficult to help people if you yourself are dealing with trauma and haven't dealt with it in an appropriate way. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, I would say that is very accurate. We're raising evangelists, we're raising pastors, we're raising leaders, uh, but they are people that are being raised in the ministry and have not been made whole. And the problem is hurt people will continue to hurt people, and that's why we see leaders on large platforms that are not, have not been healed. The devastation is that much more bigger, and that's what the enemy desires. This is so good. The panel then goes on to discussing why the church is ideal to walk alongside people who are struggling. And I needed to add this bit as well. So the church has a role in this. Um, it needs to have a role in this. Let's, how important is that? And what are some of the things, and we're going to get into this a, a little bit later, but that the church can do in addressing um, mental health. So that you've done a lot of research. You've seen a lot of research. Um, why is it important that the church play a role in this? You know, the church is a, a significant healing agent, not just because it's been ordained by God to be that, but we have seen in the research that when people are in close faith communities where they feel cared for, they feel sought after, they feel seen, they can voice their pain, they get better faster. Yes. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm as opposed to posturing it as, if you were just stronger in your faith, then you wouldn't be suffering or you would get better magically. Yeah, yeah, literally, and that's what I was told. And when it wasn't happening, it was literally something that I thought, again, I was just doing the wrong thing. Um, but just again, being knowledgeable, we perish for the lack of knowledge. Yeah. And many times our leadership is not healthy and healed, and so what are we raising if we're unhealthy? Now, I wish I could share more from this amazing panel talk as they go in to discuss on how the church can help. But unfortunately, we do, we have run out of time. I do not want to take more time on this podcast, but I do encourage you, if you have already purchased an access pass, and for those who are considering it, I hope these sneak peeks of those hidden gems help you dive into the sessions. It can be tempting to watch, you know, just 10, 5, maybe even 15 of the speakers that you recognize their names. But I'm telling you, each 
talk is worth watching and has a valuable resource, tool, or strategy offered. And it can help you and those on your ministry teams. Now, I think I've said this a bunch, and I hope you're not sick of it yet. Uh, The Church Mental Health Summit, this is not meant to be just a one-day event. It's meant to be a catalyst and to equip you with resources and tools so that you can do something to take action on how your church can better support mental health in your community. Our friends, family, and neighbors are hurting, and your church is sitting in your community. Like it's physical space in the neighborhoods, is it's present, and it's designed to provide the healing communities a belonging, purpose, and hope. Your church can transform your city with care, and I hope the summit has brought this one step closer for you. Thanks again to all of the speakers who have shared their wisdom and the sponsors who have generously allowed for the summit to exist and be offered free and low cost for churches. Our presenting partners, Spiritual First Aid and Rosemead School of Psychology have been instrumental in making the summit happen. I am so thankful for every one of you who are walking out this work. You are meeting people face to face. You are coming alongside. You are offering compassionate care to your community. And I just want to thank you and honor you for the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much for connecting today. Take care.